Pastor Adam Lavecki here. This is a sermon live from Rescue Church. We hope it blesses you. In 1 Kings chapter 18. So 1 Kings chapter 18. Yeah, so tell me when we're good. We're good? All right, so let me give you a little backstory. Right now, in, in this chapter, there, Israel has experienced a drought. They're going through a drought. It's been going on for about three, three and a half years. And um, during this time, they're in a drought because the king of Israel has led the people astray and they started to worship other gods. And what's interesting about the gods that they were worshiping, the, the gods were uh, Baal and, and Asherah. And these two gods, Baal is a, is a god of uh, fertility and it's a god of storm, like, like rain. And, and Asherah is a, is a god of uh, fertility as well, but it's a god of the sea. So these, these two gods will, will work together, these two false gods will work together. So this king, uh, the Bible says that he did more wicked in the sight of God than any other king before him. So he, he was very evil. He did a lot of evil stuff, a lot of foul stuff. So the judgment of God came upon Israel, and now they're experiencing a, a drought and a, and a famine. But during that time, Elijah is being taken care of. God is, is providing for him. He's being fed by ravens, which ravens are scavengers. Ravens don't bring, bring you food. But uh, when, when God is... is the creator of all things is moving them. He's actually taking care of the man of God. He's feeding them through ravens. He sent them to a, to a widow's house in the middle of a, a place where he wouldn't normally go. And through there, the provision of God is there where he's, he's sustaining them through, through oil and through flour. And, and every day they empty that out to, to bake a cake and, and it just like re refills and refills. And then it gets to a point where, where God is telling him, all right, now go. Go and talk to Ahab because I'm going to end this drought. So I'm going to read. I'm going to go through the passage. I'm going to go through the passage, and then we're going to hit on some notes. But I think the whole story is, is very important. So I'm going to read. It's a lot of verses. So just bear with me. So 1 Kings 18, verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab who's the current king, and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. So wherever there's famine, there's lack. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for so it was while Jezebel massacred, that's Ahab's wife, she's a very wicked woman, she massacred the prophets of the Lord, and Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hid them 50 to a cave. So now Obadiah is a man of God. He fears God, but he's in charge of the, the, the house of this king who's a wicked man. So God would always have somebody representing him in a place, even if it's wicked, even if it's evil. God always has a man of, of the Lord somewhere. And this man risked his life to hide these prophets. And he's hiding them 50 apiece in a, in a cave. Now, you know, it's not easy to to hide some folks. You try to move with 10 people, it's hard to move with 10 people in silence, never mind 100 people. And he's, he's hiding them in two separate places. More likely so, if they were to find, um, you know, if they were to find them in one cave, all of them would be dead. So if they were to find them in two separate places, at least maybe 50 would be spared. So Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave and fed them with bread and water. And that wasn't cheap. 
You take a few people out to dinner, you know, it gets a little expensive. He's feeding 100 people. So it cost him. It cost him his time and it cost him his talent, but it's also he's risking his life. There's three things involved there, but he's doing that because he fears God more. So Ahab said to Obadiah, go into the land to all the springs of the water and the brooks. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the, the horses and mules alive. So now they're getting to the point where the, he's trying to figure out if he could save these horses and, and save these mules. So he's sending them to find springs to see if there's uh, pasture to keep these, these animals alive so they don't have to die prematurely. So they divided the land between them to explore. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. Now Obadiah was on his way, and suddenly Elijah met him, and he recognized him. So he recognizes the man of God, and he falls to his, his face out of reverence. He wasn't worshiping him, he just falls to his face out of reverence. And he said, Is that you, my lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Tell your master, Elijah is here. So Elijah is not a man of many words. He's like, you know, just go, it is I, go tell your master, Elijah's here. So he said, how have I sinned that you may be delivering your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? So now fear is gripping Obadiah. As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said he is not here, he took an oath from that kingdom or nation that they could not find you. What's interesting is that he's sending everywhere... He's sending people to all these different nations to find Elijah. And you, and you know where Elijah was hiding the whole time? In Sidon. He was hiding in the same place where his wicked wife Jezebel is from, where, where Baal is their god. So he, he, they're searching everywhere, but he's hiding them in the very place that, where, where he thinks they think the man of God won't be. He would avoid any place. Like that place he's going to avoid, but that's where God was hiding them. So that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. So, where am I? I lost my place. All right, so I'm going to just start here. And now you say, go tell your master Elijah is here. And it came to pass, as soon as I am gone from you, that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you. So now he's assuming things. He's, drawing, he's, uh, he's getting carried away with conclusions in his mind because fear has gripped him. Carry you to a place I do not know. And when you go tell Ahab he cannot find you, he will kill me. So now he's fearful for his life, where before he was willing to lay down his life. But I, your servant, so that's a little bit of double-mindedness there. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord and how I hid 100 men of the Lord and the prophets 50 to a cave and fed them with bread and water? And now you say, go tell your master Elijah is here. He will kill me. So now he's telling them all the things that he did like Elijah doesn't know. Then Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. So he's like, buddy, I'm going to present myself to Ahab today, whether you help me or not. So might as well go. You know, <laughs> he's like, I stand in the presence of the Lord. Go, go handle your business. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, Ahab went to meet Elijah. So now what's really weird about this whole situation is you have a king that is by himself. He's with Obadiah. They're by themselves, and they and they separated, which is is not is not uncommon because the king should always have someone around him, protecting them, watching over him. So this tells me times are pretty bad, or maybe that they didn't want people to know how bad it really was. I really don't know. Those are some of the things that kind of entered my mind when I saw this. But now I see that uh, Ahab goes to meet uh, Elijah, and then it happened. And when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said, 
to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? He's calling him the troubler of Israel. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house, now this is judgment against him, you and your father's house have, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel. So now he wants him to go get all the people to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. That's a loaded uh, thing right there, that, that thing that he's saying, who eat at Jezebel's table. We'll get into that in a little bit. So verse 20, So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, now this is the one thing I'm going to hit on today, this question, because I believe this, this question is still, I still believe that we have to come and ask ourselves this question regularly. And this is the question. He says, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not. So there's like a Selah moment, which is a pause, because they're, they're, they're pondering that question. They're thinking about that question. That question is loaded, and, and he's, they're, they know where they're standing with God. They know what, where they're at in their relationship with God, and they're thinking. They're not saying nothing because they're, they're being convicted in their hearts. And if the, let me say this. If the Spirit of the Lord is not convicting your heart on matters, then you're probably not in a good place with God. And you need to ask yourself, or we, because myself included, we need to ask ourselves that question. Because sometimes we, you know, Jesus says, I'm the way. The way is a road. And sometimes, you know, we can get off course. But God in his goodness is always, always drawing us back to himself. So sometimes we can get off course, go right. Sometimes we can go left. And God is always drawing us back to himself because we matter to him. But now if, we, if, we, if we're not sensitive Right, that, that Holy Spirit conviction, if we're not sensitive to that conviction as to where we're at, we're going to continue going the wrong way. And there's a way that seems right to a man, but that way leads to death. So we have to be careful, mindful, and be sensitive. God is always talking, but do we have ears to, he's always talking, but do we have ears to hear? Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answers by fire is God. So now it's like a challenge here. He's like, all right, you guys go. You guys, you guys make that altar there, and I'm going to go make an altar. And you guys go, there's, 400, there's 850 of you guys. You're pretty deep. There's 850 of you guys. You guys go, and you call on your God. You call, do what you do, and if he's real, he's going to light that thing on fire because that fire that falls is usually a sign of approval on that sacrifice. So if that fire falls, then, 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 then he's God, and I'm going to do the same thing. We're going to find out who... Who's God today? And all of this is being done in the sight of Israel, who's God's people, who are supposed to be the representation of God in the nations and to the nations, because God's plan from the beginning was that all the nations would be gathered. It was by Abraham's seed, who was Jesus, right? That was the blessing that was to be to all the nations of the earth. It's not about one particular uh, ethnicity. It's about God choosing a people that can live separate from the world around them and draw the world onto him. So 
So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull, prepare it first, for you are many. So now he's like, you do it first because you got more than me. You guys do it. And call on your, the name of your God, and, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given to them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning to, to noon. That's a long time. Saying, oh Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. They leaped around. Now they're dancing around the altar. Because, you know, maybe the words, maybe he didn't hear the words. So now they're dancing around the altar, which they had. So now they're looking crazy. They're dancing around the altar, calling on Baal. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and cried aloud, for he is God. Either he's meditating, so now he's saying God's busy. He's too busy. Either he's meditating, or he's too busy, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping. Maybe God's tired. He's sleeping. And he must be uh, awakened. So they cried aloud and they cut themselves as, as was their custom. So this was their custom to cry aloud and to put on this whole act and, and cut themselves. And, um, and so the blood gushed out on them. So it was like, it's kind of like, it's kind of crazy. You know, that's why when you see sometimes people, you know, that when they're going through like some demonic stuff, you know, some people, they actually cut themselves. is a demonic spirit that's behind that. Someone's not going to go uh, self-mutilate on their own. They're, they're, there's a spirit there's, that's attached to them that's, that's causing them to do that. And you see it when the, when the maniac at the, at, at the, at the tomb, he, he, was, he had supernatural strength. That supernatural strength was not from God, and he was cutting himself. Right? That's, that's, there's a, cutting yourself and, and suicide, there's all the demonic um, principalities that are attached to that. And you see it when, when the devil tries to tempt Jesus and he tells him to jump off the, you know, the, the, the temple. And surely the angels will come. You know, that's, that's how the devil speaks. And that's what he wants. He... And when midday passed, they prophesied until the time of offering, of, of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Now, this is an all-day thing. We can't even stay in church for like, you know, two hours. This is like an all-day thing. This is a lot. This was a lot. I don't know how Elijah stood that long waiting. And uh, no voice... There was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to the people, come near to me. And all the people came to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Now that shows that there was an altar. This place was a, a place that people would go to encounter God. Whenever you, you see an altar, it was where people, it was where heaven and earth would meet and people would give their first, give their best to God. It was a place that Abraham would build altars, and, and every time he built an altar, God, he would go to those places, and, God, and he would remember what God did for him. It was a place of sacrifice. Now it showed that this altar was broken down. That means that they tore down the thing of God, and they built altars onto these other gods, so it means that they had no regard for God. So now the man of God is there, and he has to rebuild what was broken down. So now he goes and he takes 12 stones, and these 12 stones represent the 12 tribes of Israel, which that number 12 is the number of government. So now he's, 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 he's reminding of who, of them of who they are, the promise that was made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those 12, those 12 tribes, are, that's, that's, the, that's the number of government. That's, that's the number attached to the promises of God. So now he's reminding them of, of who they are and where, and where they're at. Who they are and where they're at. He's trying to draw them back to him, to him. The whole purpose of this is to draw his people back to himself. Yes. Now Elijah took the 12 stones according to the number of tribes 
of the sons of Jacob, to whom the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then when the stones, then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. So now he's built that, that altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the, the altar large enough to hold two sheaves of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid the wood and said, Fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice. So now he's going the extra mile. Now he's like, get, get water pots. This place, this mountain had like little springs where they were able to draw some water, so he, even though it was a drought. And he goes and he's pouring water on the sacrifice. So now he's like saying, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you who's God. Now I'm taking water. I'm going to saturate the sacrifice with water. And you know it's hard to put something on fire that, that, that's wet, but not for God. So, poured the, so they poured the, the, the water on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. They did it a second time. He said, do it a third time, which that number three is symbolic to resurrection. And is also equivalent when you add them all up to the number 12, which is government again. And now they did it a third time. And when the water ran all around the altar, he also filled the trench with water. Now he's going the extra mile. Now it came to pass at that time that the offering of the Lord at the, the time of the offering of the even sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Now he uses Israel because Jacob was a deceiver. Israel was the name that he changed that, that, that represents uh, the people of God. And let it be known that today you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. So he's not going on his own word. He's going on the word of God. He's being obedient. And he's saying, let them know today that, that you are the God in Israel. And he says, hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. That's his motive. That's God's heart. It's to turn these people back to him. It's not, he, doesn't want to, he doesn't want anyone to perish. God doesn't want to see anyone perish. God is always, always pursuing his creation. His creation is made in his image and his likeness, and he's pursuing them constantly as us that are turning our backs on God. He gave us his best, Jesus, so that we didn't have to go to hell. But people don't even want to talk about hell no more. It's like we talk about hell, like they don't want to hear it. But the reality is that, that there's going to be a time that he comes, and that time will be too late if you don't repent now. And he's trying to turn his hearts back, their hearts back to him. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed. These guys were singing and dancing all day, masquerading around that altar. Nothing happened all day. He prays one thing right away, and boom, the fire falls. Then the fire fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the dust. And it licked up all the water that was in the trench. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. Now they're in repentance. They fell on their, their faces. They're in awe and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. They, they you know, they can't. It, sound, it could sound cruel, you know, like. You know, but they didn't repent. And, the, and, and those 850 false prophets, God, God can't have Israel get contaminated. He just turned it, they just turned their hearts back to him. He had to get rid of them. It sounds mean, but it's, it's for the better. Then Elijah said to Ahab, 
Go up, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he bowed down to the ground and put his face in between his knees. I want you to see uh, verse 41, right here where it says, Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. You know what God is doing? He's giving Ahab a chance to repent. He's given the most wicked man who he's going to hold responsible for, for everything that went on for, that, for, that, for those three and a half years of drought is his fault. It's his fault because he's the king. He's the king and him being passive, him marrying someone that, that in the commandments he knew he wasn't supposed to marry because it was going to lead him astray. Pastor would call a kiki. I'm saying, Pastor would call a Kiki. <laughs> he, that's Jezebel. It's, he wasn't supposed to marry her. And the passivity of him not taking charge of that situation caused all of Israel to go astray. That blood's on his hands. And God is still giving him a chance to repent. Let me tell you something about him. When Elijah told him to go gather all of Israel and to go gather all the prophets, you know what happened? All of Israel and all the prophets came. You know what that shows me? That all he had to do was speak up. All he had to do was open his mouth. All he had to do was open his mouth. He was scared of his own wife. All he had to do was open his mouth. It's his fault. And God is still in his mercy, is offering him. He's offering him a chance to repent, to come back to him. Because if he wanted him dead, he would have taken him down to the water and killed him with the prophets. God is merciful. And he said to his servants, now go up and look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. And then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up to Ahab and prepare your chariot and go before the rain stops you. He's showing him mercy again. He's feeding him after a long day so he can get some strength because he's telling him the rain's coming. And he's telling him, go home, because if you don't go home, you're going to have a hard time. This rain's going to stop you. And you know what's, what's interesting about that? He's looking at the sea. The storm's coming from the sea. Astra is connected to the sea. They're calling, crying out to her for hours, no rain. When you see that storm come from the sea, what it's doing is showing that God is sovereign over the sea. It's not your God. It's Him. The God of fertility, whether it was, whether it was for crops, whether it was for, for to, to have children, God is showing that you have a drought for three and a half years. You're calling on bail for three and a half years, cutting yourself, acting a fool, and there's no rain coming. God is showing that he's sovereign, that the rain is, is, in, is from him. He sends the rain. He stops the rain. What he's doing is he's showing that these people, that these aren't any gods. They're nothing. So all of this is happening, and Ahab still, you don't see any posture from him, from him of repentance. You don't see any posture coming from him of uh, feeling bad, of wanting to turn away. He goes, he eats, and he goes home. But when he gets home, you know what he does? 
he goes and he, he tells his wife everything that Elijah did. It's almost like a complaint about how he killed the prophets. And then what she does, she gets so angry and she seeks revenge and then she seeks to kill Elijah. Instead of going home and, and not being so passive and taking charge of the situation because you're king and, and handling that business, having an opportunity to leave your, lead your wife to repentance because of the testimony of the Lord that you just saw. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. What he did was he gave room. He went home, he gave room for her to do what she wanted. Say no. Yeah, gotta say no to Kiki. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all right. Like, you know, I, I hate that saying, you know, happy, happy wife, happy life. And, and, you know, I get what they're trying to say by it. But the thing, the, the reality is, is that, that happiness is, is an inward work. Right. Sometimes we in marriages, we compromise and we and we do things right. Sometimes we suck it up. You know, all right, I'm going to take the L this weekend because I love my wife, you know, but that should be vice versa. It should go back and forth. But at the end of the day, as a man, it's our job. Right. To see how our house goes in terms of uh, are we following the Lord? Because God's going to hold us responsible. And you see the sin, this sin happened in the garden the passivity of Adam in the garden, right? Eve, Eve, first of all, he didn't handle the word of God correctly because he told, he told her if she touched, she was going to die, right? But it was if you ate, so he didn't handle the word of God correctly, and he, he didn't handle that business right. And what happened? God held him, him accountable. It was the sin of Adam. It wasn't the sin of Eve. He was deceived. It was him not, not taking charge because he told him. It was his responsibility. He set him as the head. So it says, men, we have to we have to fulfill our role and take, and take our proper place. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he, that he saw a cloud rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, Ahab, prepare your chariot. Go before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime, this is crazy right here, that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was heavy rain. So Ahab rode and he went away to, to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he guarded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance. He's on a horse, and God, the, the power of God came upon him, and he literally ran past him, on a, and his man's on a horse. That's crazy. But, um, yeah, so that, that's the passage. Let's just get into some notes. I'm sorry that you guys can't see him. Usually we have him here. So I'm just going to go to the notes. All right. So we, we see that in... in that there was a severe famine, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain. So we talked about Obadiah, that he was in charge of the house, and he feared the Lord. While Jezebel was killing, we know what he did. He, he hid the, the people. We know that wasn't free. So I want to I I hit on this. So Obadiah is fearful of his master. This is why he could be in charge of the king's house, but have no influence with the king. You can't have influence with people or with something that you're fearful of. You see that you see people like Joseph in the Bible had favor with the king. The king, the king, he had influence with the king. The king respected him. The king almost feared him because he knew that he carried the word of the Lord. You see it with Daniel. You see these different men of God that are in places of power that they had, they had influence. And you see the one thing here is that he's with the king. He's in charge of his house, but he has no influence and he's scared of him. So let's not, let's, let's not, let's learn from him and let's not be that way. Fear reveals, 
This reveals what fear can do to your mind. Fear will have you jump to conclusions and assume the worst about a situation and make a ton of excuses. He was making excuses, he was scared, he was jumping to conclusions, making up things in his mind that, that, that probably would happen, that he thought would happen, when the reality is the man of God is there because he wants to meet with Ahab and he's carrying the word of the Lord. He's just, you know, he's not gonna dip on you. Like he thinks he's gonna leave and leave him hanging, the spirit of the Lord is gonna, he's not gonna tell you to do something and leave. But this is what fear does, it makes you irrational, it makes you think things that aren't true, things that aren't there. You see, um, Ahab finally sees Elijah and confronts him by saying, Is that you a trouble of Israel? Elijah rebukes Ahab and brings judgment on him as his father's house and his father's house for forsaking the commandments of the Lord. This goes with always being, um, he's always going to hold the man or the person in leadership responsible. Bad leadership will lead the people astray. You see it in the Bible that kings that went after um, these idols and, and, and didn't do what was right and didn't seek the Lord's heart. You always saw that the people went astray. The people always went and fell into idolatry. So God is always looking for leadership that's going to represent him well and not lead the people astray. And sometimes that's going to, you know, he's raising up men and women to be able to confront the issues that people want to avoid. So we, we have to be, have this in mind that anytime God puts us in a position of leadership, anytime God is going to require us to to take care of his people, because they're not our people, they're his people, that we're going to be accountable. So that should, that should do something to us to help us to, to want to take what we do seriously, because it's, we're going to be judged double. All right, Jezebel's table. Let's talk about Jezebel's table. Jezebel's table is where they teach and seduce the people of God to commit fornication, immorality, and to eat food sacrificed to idols, which is to indulge in, in what's not permitted and to seek sustenance outside of God. Today we live in an age where they call, you know, good evil and evil good. You see it. It's very, it's very much it's put in your, in your face, put in your face, put in your face. And, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to take the people of God and have the people of God compromise. They're trying to take the people of God and have the people of God indulge in what they indulge in. This worshiping that they would do was, was filled with uh, fornication. They would have orgies. They would do crazy things. Uh, they would have child sacrifice. There would be unwanted babies that would, that would stem from this idolatry and these unwanted babies. Their, their form of abortion would be they would sacrifice them to these idols. And then, you know what happened if they wanted to avoid getting pregnant? All right, we're going we're gonna to get into homosexuality. They would get into homosexuality because if they were having homosexual encounters and there was no baby happening, and that a whole bunch of wickedness would, would be brewed from this stuff. So it's, it's very evil, and you see it today. I mean, we have a whole month where we, where we celebrate uh, pride, right? There's a whole month that they're pushing it in the schools. They're after our children. You're seeing it's very much alive. They're pushing it, and it's real. And the more that the people of God stay silent, the more the people of God uh, are quiet, the more they're going to push their agenda. And then you know what? Our kids are going to grow up, and our kids are going to think that it's okay because they saw no one speak up. They said they, they saw no one say no. And, you know, we're not we're not against. We have people in this church that came from that and God has did a work. We're not against that. You know, we could love people and, and still not agree with them. Right. But we have to stand up for what's right. And you see this thing. Jezebel's table is still very much there. You could either sit at the table of Christ or you could sit at the table of Jezebel. Jezebel is a spirit and is very, she's very much active. And there's a spirit behind Ahab, too. And he's very much active. Jezebel means, um, name means unmarried, uncommitted, and without dwelling. This is a picture of a defiled woman. So, so anything at her table is defiled. 
some of the characters is the, of, of, of the people that were at Jezebel's table, their God was their belly. They lived for themselves. They were greedy, ready to do anything to satisfy the flesh. That's anything to satisfy your flesh, what I want. And, and we hear that today. That language is very much alive today. It's all about me. You know, there's no glory given to God. Everything is me. You, you talk about God, people think that it's like you're holding them back. Like, you just don't want me to live my best life now. You don't want me to have fun. You don't, you know, it's always like, no, it's, I don't want you to die. I don't want you, I, I want the best for you. Yeah, it's like, it's like really like a lot of us, it's, it's the goodness of God. God is so patient. Sometimes we take his patience for, for him signing off on our lifestyles. But the reality is a lot of us are here. I know I'm here because of the goodness of God. I got tired of being with my face in the mud. I got tired of, of waking up the, the way I woke up, regretting the things I did the night before. I got tired of ruining people's lives because everyone's life that I was attached to, I ruined. But God in his goodness still pull you out the mud and he'll clean you up. And the same way you were used to ruin people's lives, he'll use you to build people up. God is in the restoration business. He's, he, he's a, it's a renovation project. And it's, it's, it's a long project, and it gets dirty, and it gets dusty. But you know what? It's, it's all good because the finished product is, is, is nice. If, if, we see, if we could right now look in the mirror and see our friend, our, the finished product of what, what we would look like when God is done, we wouldn't recognize ourselves. A church is a hospital. A church is a place. That's why it's called Rescue. A church, our church is, is named Rescue because it's Rescue, Restore, Rebuild. A church is a hospital. All of us, no one has arrived and all of us are going through stuff. Some of us just are more free about talking about it. Some of us are a little more open. Some people, some of us still got to build trust with each other to, you know, let it out. But the reality is that we all are going through stuff and we're all here because we need God. We're all here because there's, there's a level of faith. There's a metron of faith inside us that are believing for, for a better life and a better hope for the future, not only for ourselves, but for each other and for our children and our children's children. It's impossible to eat at the Lord's table and Jezebel's table at the same time. Verse 21. How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if it's Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not. Nah. I told you that was a Selah moment. That was a moment where the Holy Spirit is working on their hearts. Now, falter in the English language, it means to hesitate, to lose strength or momentum. It means to waver. That's the English. But this, is, this Bible is written in Hebrew. So I'm going to tell you that, that Hebrew word. Like a long, it was like probably like, I think you were here, Brett and Mary and Pops, you were here. Like a couple of years back, um, I was reading this and I kept coming back to this, to this, this question. And pastor had asked me to do, um, to come to the table and, and, and break bread. And, and, and um, I felt like this word was, was pertaining to the, table of, to, the, to the table of the Lord. And I couldn't understand why. And I just kept like, going back and forth with it. And I remember I was at work one day and I have this one uh, Jewish client that we go back and forth about this scripture, but you know, it's usually the Old Testament because that's what they believe. So <clears throat> I showed him that question. And when he saw that question, right away he saw it in the Hebrew because I pulled out the concordance and he saw it in the Hebrew language. He said, that's Passover. And I said, what? And he said, that's Passover. That's the word Passover. And I was like, dang, bro, and it clicked. Right there, it was like a deposit, boom, right in my mind, right to my heart. When Elijah is speaking to the people, he's reminding them of what God did. 
That word, it means to pass over. It's the same word that's used when, when, when God gives the instructions through Moses to take the lamb, to take the blood, and to put it over the doorpost when they were in Egypt, when they were slaves, when they were in bondage, when they had no rest, when they were being told what to do, when they were, when they were slaves. And he said, put it over your doorpost, and the Lord is going to skip over you. It was the, it's the Bible says the Lord. It was the Lord. So the Lord skipped over. Right? So it's, it's the blood, right? Jesus is the Passover lamb. That was a type and shadow of what's to come. So when, when they hear this, they're reminded right away of how they went astray and left their deliverer. They left the one who delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh, delivered them from Egypt, took them out of bondage and set them free and set them in a land filled with milk and honey. Except now they're in a land filled with no rain, no food, no crops. And now they're, they're, they're making altars to, to gods that can't do nothing. And God is reminding them, and he's saying to them, how long will you pass over the Passover? How long will you falter between two opinions? How long are you going to waver? How long are you going to dance around? And, and that's why they're quiet, because they remember what, what God did for them. I believe God is asking us the same question today. How long will we pass over the Passover? And I'll break it down, meaning how long are we going to dance around Jesus? How long are we going to be divided about the things of God? Because we could still confess Christ as Lord and Savior and still dance around following him wholeheartedly. We could still try to mingle things with Christ. You know, these people were, were mingling um, worship to, to the God of Israel and, and, and Baal. And Asherah, they were, they were mixing it. Today you see it with this whole New Age stuff that's going on in the church. You know, the Bible says that it's by his stripes we are healed, and yet we got healing stones that they're trying to intermingle, right? You know, it's like God says if you want something, ask for it, and yet, you know, we're, we're, we're meditating on things that we want, trying to bring them into existence. It's, it's like don't make sense. It's like it's this counterfeit Jesus that they're, they're doing. And God, I believe, is, is, is asking us, Today, if, if you're doing that, if you're involved in that, like, put it away. How long do you plan to mix the things of God with the things of the world? How long will you hesitate to surrender fully? How long will you leave our, sit, our seat at his table? You know God has a table? Before he went to the cross, he took his best guys and he had a dinner. Passover meal. God has a table and, you, and we have a seat. His table is large and big. And there's a place for you. Verse 37, this reveals God's heart of, in Elijah's prayer, God's motive to reconcile his people back to him. Elijah prays, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are Lord and that you have turned their hearts back to them. God is merciful. He's so merciful. He still gives, us, gives a chance to Ahab to repent and to turn his heart back to the Lord, and Ahab misses it. Elijah tells him to eat and drink. We spoke about this before, and to get on his chariot and go home before he gets stuck. Ahab never shows gratitude. He never repents. He never acknowledges God as the only true God. God could have killed him. He didn't. We spoke about that. Ahab ran to Jezebel like a sucker and told her all that Elijah did. Right? He, he missed his opportunity. But he never told her about the Lord's mercy towards him. He never mentioned that. He never confronted her. He never confronted her. They never repented together. He allowed her to seek revenge. There's a curse of Ahab that 
in his passivity and not taking his rightful place as the man and king, he was unwilling to confront the real issues, which is Jezebel. His passivity enabled her and created space for her to operate. This curse, was, we spoke about it earlier, was first seen in the garden with Adam, not willing to confront Eve. And you see the spirit very much alive and active today in the passivity of men and leaders not willing to confront the real issues. They skate around it, just like they, we, sometimes we could skate around where we are with God. God is going to hold us responsible. So today, like, I, I, brought, I brought some bread so we could remember the Lord. Got some grape juice. <laughs> it symbolizes his blood. You know, you want to pass that out? You know, we can come to the table and, you know, if there's anything that we're going through, anything on our hearts, you know, that maybe take this time, you know, repent. Just say, God, like, hey, I'm sorry. You know, we could be Christians and get off course. I know I get off course all the time. And God's blood is still sufficient. His blood is active. So today, if you just want to take that opportunity and just speak some stuff in your heart, the, the bread is symbolic to the body. His body was broken so that we could be whole. His blood was so that we didn't have to taste death, so that, so that we could have a right mind towards God. The thorns, they, they went on the head. The blood went on his, on his mind so that we can have a new mind. We have the mind of Christ, the Bible says. We don't have to be double-minded, which is two souls. We don't have to be unstable. Hey, God is good. Yeah, I know there's a lot of reading today, man. So thank you for bearing with me. I know I'm not the best reader. I'm at, God's working on me. But, uh... Appreciate you. Hopefully, you don't judge me because of my hat. No commandos. Josiah has it. Yeah, I know you did. Thank you. Yeah, and, there's, and if anybody also after church needs prayer, we have people that are willing to pray for you. Yeah, let's pray. So, Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for this word. God, I ask that you would um, speak to us in areas where we haven't let you in. And we just ask that you just move into those areas, God. We ask that you would um, clean out some of that stuff that, that's still there, God. We ask that you would just heal us inwardly, God, that you would just restore our souls. God, that you would just make us um, we come against any, any mental illness in the name of Jesus. We come against anything that... Uh, any traumas, any condemnation. In Jesus' name, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. We would love to see you in person. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.